Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 200. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's going on, buddy? Dude, 200. 200. That's so many podcasts, right? For 200 weeks in a row, we've spewed our mouths off about Islanders hockey. That's incredible. What's almost more incredible is that people have continued to come back to listen for 200 straight weeks and that we could, I mean, I thought we'd be talking to the abyss by now, you know? Yeah, because there's a ton of Islanders podcasts out there and most of them are pretty damn good. Actually, I shouldn't say just most of them, like just about every single one of them is pretty damn good. Uh, So yeah, like, man, this is, this feels really good. We get like quite a few number of listens a week and this is just, it feels good to see that number go up every week. Absolutely. So thank you so much for all the support. It's crazy that it's been 200 weeks already. It feels like just yesterday we started this little podcast, Mitch. It honestly does. I remember having our discussions where we had to like convince people to like, yes, we want to have a podcast. Like, are you really sure you want to do that? Yes, we want to do that. Why wouldn't we want to do that? It feels like yesterday, but that was 200 plus weeks ago. It's a long time ago and uh, we're still here doing the thing. And now our uh, our team that we like to talk about, Mitch, is all the way in the semifinals. So it's uh, crazy to see what we were talking about in 2017 versus now. Oh, we should do one of those, like, go back and listen to ourselves talk. Like, listen to episode one and be like, what were we talking about then? Because, like, it's going to be so different, right? Like, just Gar Snow and obviously Doug Waite wasn't around then. But, like, this is, like, the last couple of years of the Gar Snow era where... Things were not going well, and we were still worried about JT, but it was just kind of in the distance enough. Just all kinds of totally different from where we are now, right? Totally. We were making, what, the trade deadline deals those years with, like, Shane Prince for a seventh-round pick or something like that. Third. Shane, Shane Prince uh, was, yeah, 2016. 20, did they do one in 2017? I couldn't even tell you. I don't know if they did. A deadline I think deal. that's when we got Stan Pat. Okay, probably. We got him a few times. Yeah, but like those are what we were talking about when we started doing this podcast. And here we are, like we picked up Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, Kyle Palmieri, and Travis Ajak. And we are competing in back-to-back years in the semifinals for the Stanley Cup. Incredible. Incredible turn of events. Absolutely. Love to love to see that. So just wanted to take you on a little trip down memory lane. We're both kind of excited about that. So appreciate you guys sticking with us through all these years of podcasting. And let's keep the vibes going positive, Mitch, because I don't know about you, but I am happy that they split on the road. I I think 
if you were wanting too well was a little greedy for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very greedy, for sure. Like, I know we were feeling good after the first win because it was maybe not convincing, but it was a nice win. Mm-hmm. To then go like, we're going to sweep. Get the brooms out. No, come on. Like, let's chill a bit here. Th- that It's entirely possible, but very, very unlikely that this was the scenario. The second the Islanders won game one, this was clearly going to be the scenario after two games. Yeah, I mean, I certainly thought so. When looking at, you know, pretty much just how everything was was going with this, it was just that it looked like it was going to be a series that was going deep, um, especially with these two teams. Like, at this point, the Islanders have gone in the second round or further three years in a row. The Tampa Bay Lightning are always in the mix when it comes to contenders. So if anyone thought this was going to be a short series, rude and awakening, that's not going to be the case for either side. No, absolutely not. And so if you want game-to-game breakdowns of what the Islanders are doing or how the Islanders game goes, sign up to our Patreon channel. Our Patreon account, we do $5 a month, and you get a post-game podcast, sometimes immediately after the game, at least 30 minutes after the game, where we break it down period by period. We get winners and losers. We look at the box score. Sign up to our Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash Isles and get those shows now if you want detailed breakdowns of the games. But in terms of a series, going back home with the tide at one, ideal outcome. Absolutely ideal. No, absolutely. And if you look at how they got there, it was really two different games. And that's usually tends to be the case in, in a win versus in a loss. But in the game <laughs> that they won in game one, that's exactly what Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz want. That was New York Islanders hockey. They only allowed a goal very, very, very late in the game when it was a six on four when Tampa pulled the goalie. And other than that, they kept everything to the outside. They capitalized on the mistakes of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was perfection for Barry Trotz. 100%. It's exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, This should have been a shutout. Oh, my God, it should have been a shutout. Brock Nelson, why are you getting your stick up like that? Uh, But then going into game two, it's not that you didn't expect them to be playing as well. It's just you expected the Tampa Bay Lightning to pick it up also uh, and, and make that game a little bit closer, which it was. I know the scoreline ended 4-2, but this isn't a blowout loss. It was not the, the Tampa Bay Lightning just curb stomped up after they, they, they picked up an owie. No, no, this is a very competitive game. Uh, the Islanders just, you know, had one too many mistakes specifically on the, you know, giving them uh, too many power plays. Right. You can't give a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning five power plays and expect not to get burned. That's just not going to happen. It's recipe for disaster. And Andre Vasilevsky was very, very good in this game, too, which, I mean, he's a great goalie. So we expected this. Exactly. They should maybe be happy that they left the game one for five on, uh, sorry, four for five, I guess, on the PK. Like, that's pretty good against a team that is 41.7% effective coming into the series. Uh, but like you said, maybe don't give them five chances to get it right because you're guaranteed they're going to get at least one of those right. Uh, and you, you can't do that against a team that is already going to probably kill you when it comes to the talent differential. It's not to say that the Islanders aren't talented, but the talent pool on the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning's roster is higher. This is without this is not questionable than the New York Islanders. And, and so that that bore out in, in game two, where you have Nikita Kucherov doing that incredible, you know, behind the play, uh, behind the net play. And then Andre Vasilevsky robbing one out of midair on Kyle Palmieri. 
Like those two things, if those two things are, are any other players in terms of Vasilisi and Kucherov, we have a vastly different game on our hands. Probably. You're probably right, but we, you, you can't play that game because the Lightning have probably five superstar level players, which is crazy. Most teams don't have that luxury. In game one, the Islanders did a good job of limiting the chances of those superstars. They didn't really do that in game two. I mean, think about it. Pretty much every single one of their stars had big games. Point scored a goal. Vasilevsky was really good. Kucherov had three assists. Hedman had a goal and an assist. Like, all of them were good. Did Stamkos have a point? I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. Four out of the five were putting up, you know, production for your team. That That's exactly it, right? And so the Islanders need to play that near-perfect game, just like they did, they did against the Boston Bruins. They need to play that near-perfect game like they did in game one uh, if they want to win this series. And it's entirely possible that they win this one in six. Uh, it's completely conceivable that they do that. Uh, but as it stands now, they go back home with, with a 1-1 series tie. And I saw a lot of negativity, maybe not that much, but, so maybe I should say a lot, but a decent amount of negativity after the Islanders lost, going like, ah, it's over, we're done. And you're going, it's been one game, and there's still quite a bit of positive to take out of that one game. No, of course, and that's the thing that kind of, well, not kind of, it does. It rubs me the wrong way because we, we've seen this formula two times already. The Islanders in the first two series have been down 2-1 and then went on to win three in a row. Now, obviously, that's going to be a lot harder against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but to say that this series is over is, is a joke. It, it, they're still very much in this series, and it goes back to our original point here when we were talking about how it was greedy to expect the 2-0 on the road or be disappointed that they didn't get 2-0 on the road. Like... This is going to be a series that goes six or seven games. It's not going to be a cakewalk. So, I don't know. I think that you're in good position going back to your home ice advantage now with it tied. Absolutely. Yes, we can't get greedy in this series because that's where we're going to get caught, right? And that's kind of, maybe not kind of, but you can see shades of that near the end of game one, right? You know, Brock Nelson just getting a little bit too... Uh, cocky there you're putting up his stick up and getting you know getting too little fresh if you will at the end of the game and then same thing in game two the honors were just a little bit too foot off the gas if you will and so that and i expect that to change when they go home to the Nassau coliseum where you have nearly thirteen thousand lunatics in the building absolutely drowning out the entire Nassau county whereas you have amelie arena barely be able to drown out the first row yeah, ex exactly, which is vastly different environments, by the way, when comparing the two. It, it's kind of, well, it, it is crazy to, to hear the difference between them. And that's good. That's the thing. I bring it up because it's going to be a factor for the New York Islanders. And, and maybe that helps also the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Like they, they're able to get all juiced up. But maybe that's a, you know, not such a good thing for them because it's not like we're going to be, you know, like, yay, Tampa type of thing. It's going to be Vasilevsky chance left, right and center trying to get in his head. Uh, probably going after Hedman, definitely going after Kucherov. Like they're, they're going to get the business when they get to Nassau. And that, that, that's going to change things for them because this is the first time they've played in, in such a crowd. To be fair to the Carolina crowd, they were, they were raucous, right? They were pretty loud, but they weren't as numerous, right? Like they didn't have that many people at whatever the name of the arena, like GGY, I guess. I don't know. It, it, it all seems to be matter. like three letters nowadays. The, the GGY arena in, in Raleigh. 
they didn't have as many as I as I expect are going to be at the NASA Coliseum. And so like Tampa is not going to be used to this. No, yeah, absolutely not. They're they're not. And uh, well, that's why the Islanders do have such a home ice advantage. And they've been really good at home all year long. And specifically in the playoffs, they've been good at home. They're what, four and two? They're four and two at home. That's right. So, yeah, that's great. We'll take that. Exactly. So a lot of positives going for the New York Islanders headed towards game three on home ice. Of course, specifically, you've got the home ice advantage. We talked about that already. The power play is is good enough, right? Like they scored one on four. That's 25%. I hear a lot of like the the power play wasn't great. Sure, three of them weren't great, but they converted on one of them. And 25% efficiency for the Islanders, last I checked, is pretty damn good. Yeah. No, it's it is good. I'll take that. Absolutely, I'll take that. And then you got Matthew Barzell, right? Goals in back-to-back games has 5 in his last 6. When the Matthew Barzell is playing his at his peak, the Islanders typically do well. So this is a good sign that Matthew Barzell is on a heater going into a, a, a two-game homestand. Right, which is exactly what they need because, as you just said, the team usually goes offensively as Barzell goes. And earlier in the playoffs, he wasn't the same player that he is now or that he has been over the course of his career. He was ineffective for in a lot of ways, but now... He's producing. The points are going up. And I feel like all of their lines are clicking right now, which kind of brings me to my next point, which I guess we could kind of get into a little bit here uh, with a lot of people wanting to see Oliver Wallstrom for game three um, because Travis Ajak had a poor game in game two, took three penalties. But Barry Trotz pretty much came out and said that he doesn't know if Wallstrom is going to be an option for this game, which to me says it's going to be the same lineup, which is not a shock. So I, I must have missed that comment. When he says he's not going to be an option, sorry, when he says he's not going to be an option, is he trying to say that he's not healthy? Because I, I thought that was already decided, that, that Oliver Wallstrom is in fact healthy. He's just not playing because, you know, Travis Ajak is doing well. Yeah, no, not like not from a health perspective. Uh, I'm okay. trying to find the exact quote from for you. Uh, Trot says Wallstrom is available to come back in. I don't know if he's a candidate to come back in. Feels Isles will be healthy for tomorrow, so likely no changes to the lineup. That was from Arthur Staple today. Yeah, that makes sense. Like he had a bad game. He being Travis Ajak, it it didn't go well. Took a lot of penalties, but it's gone so well so far. They, they have to roll it. They have to try it out. And, and if it doesn't work again in two games, so what? You're down 2-1. The Islanders have been down 2-1 twice already. You, it's obviously not what they want, but it, it, they, they know that they come back from a 2-1 deficit in a, a best-of-seven series. So if it doesn't work out again with Travis Ajak, okay, you know what? Now I'm going to put Wallstrom in. But you, you got to give the veteran another game. That's what I exactly what I said in the article. I think Zajac's play has earned him the benefit of the doubt of a second chance because this was, to me, his first poor game in the playoffs. Other, other than this, I think he's had a, well, a clutch goal in game six, and he's been really good in the faceoff dot, which is something that Wallstrom doesn't give the Islanders. Yeah, because like, I know that Wallstrom is more productive. There's no one that's going to make the argument to say, like, you know, you got to keep Travis Ajak in there because he's going to pop in the goals and he's going to be an impact player on the power play. Now, he barely plays on the power play. He he was there the other day in a net front presence type of thing. But I think that was just Barry trying to give his team a different look um, rather than something that he thinks is going to work guaranteed. 
but his, it's his play away from the puck. It's his play in, in terms of forechecking, and it's definitely his play in the faceoff that, that keeps him in this lineup. That, that Those are a lot of things that Oliver Wallstrom isn't maybe as good at uh, when compared to Travis Ajak. Right, and I mean, obviously knock on wood that this doesn't happen, but if there were an injury to Jordan Eberle or Josh Bailey or Anthony Beauvillier or Kyle Palmieri, then I think we would see Oliver Wallstrom come back into the lineup. But as of right now, and again, subject to change depending on what happens tomorrow, I think it's Zajac's spot to lose. It's 100% Zajac's spot to lose. It would surprise me if Barry Trotz puts him in, specifically with those with those uh, comments that he made. Because Barry's the type of guy that he's going to play his car- cards close to his chest if he's trying to, you know, make a play. Right. And this this is kind of like, here they are, they're out on the open. If he even thought that Oliver Walston would play, he wouldn't say something like that. It would be kind of like, well, we'll see everyone's healthy. It'll be a game time decision type of thing. But I really like what Travis Zajac is doing, so he'll probably play. That's not what he said, right? It was very much like, yeah, we're all good. Travis is going to play, though. Yeah, if you read between the lines, yeah. That, to me, he pretty much said that Zajac is going to play, which I don't have an issue with. I like Travis Zajac. I think he's been fine in his role. Yeah, I, exactly. And I know this maybe sounds um, hypocritical in a way because throughout the year we're like, play Wallstrom, damn it! Right? But this is different. It Exactly. It is different. It's the playoffs. It's working. When it comes to this, you you, you don't mess with it at all. If it works... Don't fix it. And it's working. I know there's a loss. I know it's a loss. But you're not going to be like, we lost because Travis Zajac wasn't good. No, that certainly didn't help us win the game. But it wasn't on Travis Zajac. It was a bunch of things that happened. Travis Zajac was an element in that. As was Adam Pellick. Pellick didn't have a great game. You're going to take him out and put Braden Coburn in? I even I forgot he was on the roster. So did I. <laughs> No, absolutely not. Uh, exactly. Deserves a benefit of the doubt. So just wanted to toss that in there as well as we're you know talking about the series and transitioning back home. Uh, I don't think it makes sense to change anything else up. Uh, anything else on this series that you want to get into before transitioning here? I can't wait to hear that crowd tomorrow. I really can't wait. An 8 o'clock start, though? Oh, my God, it's going to be another late night. I know. Drink your coffee. It's going to be a long I one will. For us. I'm going to have an afternoon actual calf coffee. That's what I'm going to do. Love it. So, what we wanted to get into next was talking about the lightning as the Islanders Mountain. And uh, that was a phrase called, well, really done by one of our Patreon members. No? Yeah, I got to thank Ryan for this one. So, Ryan was talking to me about it and saying, like, that they are really the Islanders Mountain. And, and he's absolutely right because you, you think about specifically the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs, the Islanders haven't been able to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I understand this goes back to a a previous iteration of of this team under a different guidance and under a different system with different players. Uh, But it still, you know, kind of fits. It stills. My God, why am I adding S's all over the place? It still fits with the narrative of like the Islanders haven't yet been able to get over the hump that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if they're going to reach the pinnacle of success, which is the Stanley Cup, they have to do it, and they have to do it here. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, it's it To me, it seems like this is the climb, kind of like, and you made the comparison to me off-air before, but looking at the Washington Capitals to the Pittsburgh Penguins from a few years ago, it was that was a team that was continuously knocking them out. 
And sure, like there were different versions of the Capitals that kept getting bounced by the the Pittsburgh Penguins, but it kept coming down to that. And it, it definitely does have a similar vibe. And especially, I mean, obviously we're not rooting for this to happen, but if it were to happen for a third year in a row, or not a third year in a row, but a, a third time in a row that it was the Lightning beating the Islanders, then that makes it that much worse even. It really does. And that that's why there's that extra little narrative there for us. It's just kind of like... We have to beat this team because we haven't been able to do so twice now, and we're going on three. Uh, so like, and so far so good, right? Tied one one, going back at home. So things are in our, the advantage is still in our core type of thing. But we definitely still need to get over the hump that is the Tampa Bay Lightning if we're to reach the next level. And when you think about it, it makes a whole lot more sense because you you look at this team, this team being Tampa, and you're going. This is the best team in hockey. One of the best teams in hockey, right? True. They are elite. When the season starts, people jot down their ballot for, like, let's say, the Stanley Cup and Tampa factors. They may not be the odds-on favorite to win the Cup every year, but they're in the top four, top five at the very least every year for the last couple of years. But when you think about the New York Islanders, conversely, in that same situation, the Islanders are nowhere near that unless you're the homiest homer that ever was. Right. That's true. Most of the time, it's, well, this year, it felt like it was these three teams, Vegas, Colorado, or Tampa, were the the favorite picks. So if, you're right, if they were to get over that hump, it, it feels like they need to slay this dragon. They do. And, once, and if they do, I shouldn't say once, if they do, then next year you've got to put them in that category. Because this, this, most of the core will be the same. Right, there's going to be some changes. Every team is going to go through it. There's going to be an expansive draft for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every every team is going to lose something of relative value, and and if they don't, it's because they traded for it and they lost something of value there. Um, but this team has to be considered an elite team if they get past the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's why there's an that extra kind of narrative, not pressure, but narrative for the Islanders to get over the Tampa Bay Lightning and do so. Not convincingly. It doesn't matter if they sweep or get it done in five. Uh, they can get it done in seven. That's all that matters. Just a win, damn it. And if they do so, it puts them in that category. Or it should, at least. It should, but for whatever reason, it feels like nobody wants to give the Islanders any credit. It's uh, it's the fault of pretty much anyone else. Tristan Jari, the referees, the referees again in this series. It's just a never-ending cycle of not giving the Islanders credit for... Well, seemingly anything. Right, which is really strange because you can go back to any series for any team and find that one kind of L and be like, aha, that's why they won. Right, like for the Washington Capitals, right, it was, oh, well, they beat an expansion team. Well, that expansion team has been pretty damn good consistently since going to the Stanley Cup final. Yes, they've been good every year of their existence. So, like, God damn it, that sucks. They haven't known one bad year. They've existed for, what, four years? They've never known one bad year. Yeah, it's it's wild. (laughs) Fan base, I hate you so much. Ah, they're spoiled. But that's true. It's just, like, I don't know. I feel like they're looking for excuses, that's all. Mm. That's exactly what it is. And everyone does it, right? Everyone looks for an excuse. Um, And I'm sure if we lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning, we'll look for an excuse again. Hello, cap-friendly. Um, but it's not, and I shouldn't say cap friendly is going to be the issue. Hello, salary cap. There it is. That's um, but yeah, I, there, we shouldn't be making excuses. We shouldn't be if we lose. But the focus is on winning because not only do we then 
beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is an elite level team, we then put ourselves and, and I shouldn't say ourselves, we the Islanders put themselves in the category of an elite team without question. I know the analytics won't necessarily be there, uh, but the Islanders will be an elite team if they can get through the Tampa Bay Lightning. Absolutely. I don't know. If they're in the Stanley Cup final, no matter what happens, win or lose, and then the year prior in the Eastern Conference final, I don't know how you could possibly say they're not an elite team. Right. And the year before that, second round, right? Like, that's year-over-year progression. Yeah. I I just, I don't know, Mitch. Which is funny when when you think about it, um, because the owners, right, John Adeki, Scott Malkin, in, in the year that they didn't make the postseason after making it the year prior, what they wanted to do was we want to progress. Well, we made the second round, right? Because they had just done in 2016, they beat the Tampa, uh, the Florida Panthers, lost to the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. And right. they said next year, the aim is to make it to the third round, right? We want year over year progression. Well, we know that didn't happen. They stood by, right? They let it. They let that one sit for a bit and it didn't go well the year after that. And that's when big wholesale change happened. And look at that year over year of progression. Well, I mean, even before that, they were act. You're right, though. But even that year after they, you know, they went to the second round. Then they're a 500 team for half the season. They they fired Jack Capuano, so they made their change there, and then they ended that season strong. So they gave Doug Wade another opportunity, which I think, you know, after that, what was it? That 12, the 24, 12, and four, something like that. I, I don't. Yeah, the, exact the like big run. They were like a point out of the playoffs type of thing. Exactly. So they gave him an, another run at it, which fine i thought he deserved it but then in 2017-18 it all came crashing down and they got wise and brought in a hall of fame general manager and a hall of fame head coach right and that that's why i bring it up because you're you're seeing exactly their plan come to fruition right they wanted year over year growth and now we're in the kind of well there's nothing more you can do but hope and pray what you've done to this point works Right, But they've done it so far, and it's working. They wanted year-over-year year progression with this team, and damn it, they're getting it as they get set to open their big, super expensive building, right? Their, their big investment, they're going to go into that, hopefully raising a banner, but at least the project is trending in the right direction. No, exactly, which is smart, which they, they knew they had to do that. They had to have, with a new building coming, they had to have a good product, and they, and they do. So Yeah. So I, sorry, I know that that's not necessarily anything to do with Tampa Bay being the Islanders' mountain. It's just it was a funny we we got to year on year progression. It just the the thought came into my head. Absolutely. Would you consider these two teams rivals at this point? Um, I guess playoff rivals. Can you you make that distinction between like rivals and not and, and playoff rivals? I don't know. Like I guess technically they're both rivals. Then I'm just yeah. you know splicing the hair and, and, and differentiating for no apparent reason whatsoever. Yeah, I don't. I was asked that question on a Tampa Lightning podcast, and I, I I said no, not right now. But if they were to lose a, th- a third time and then play them again, maybe next year, if that were to happen, then I would probably go into that series looking at these two teams as you know a rivalry. The way I look at it in terms of establishing is or isn't a rivalry is when it comes to just, I don't know, a Wednesday night game in January, are these two teams going to start to, are are they going to try to kill themselves for those two points? And if so, you got a rivalry. If not, probably not. And, And I don't see that with Tampa Bay. I see that with the Rangers for sure. Uh, sometimes even Boston, uh, 
and even then that's kind of a stretch. But Tampa Bay, I, I, I just don't see it yet. I really don't. Is there a rival? This might be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there a rivalry to you of two teams that aren't in the same division? A rivalry of two teams that aren't in the same division? Yeah, probably not, I guess, right? I'm trying to think and look at the teams now. Maybe I could bring up the, uh, I guess I, I couldn't really, the standings and, and look at it, but I don't think so. Well, this year is wonky because of the, you know what I mean? But Yeah, like I'm changing it to, to last year and look at the divisions from then. But I, I can't see anyone. Like, I guess technically the Islanders and the Maple Leafs. Technically. Uh, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess. Like, we're working on something there. And I'm trying to think of any other any other divisions here. Maybe the Winnipeg Jets and, like, the Edmonton Oilers. But I, I don't think that's a real rivalry necessarily. That might be the case next year after that playoff uh, win. Right. Because I know Edmonton fans are not happy about how it was officiated at all. Uh, my brother was very mad and very salty with me. He lives in Edmonton, not happy about how things went with the Edmonton series. But yeah, I, I don't think so, man. I really don't. I guess Toronto Islanders is the best one. And even then, that's kind of weak. It, it, it's new, right? I think I should say yeah. not weak, but new. Right, and that's such a unique circumstance. But okay, you kind of answered our we answered our own question with the Islanders, our own team. So that's a little yeah, bizarre, so. but it worked. No. Um, shall we get into down on the farm, Mitch? Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on, of course, as has been most of the summer. But we've got some movement. Uh, Alexander Ljungkrans signed a two-year deal with Brunus. Uh, okay. That's his ASHL squad, where he's been since boyhood really it's his hometown team from Galve I, I don't know if I pronounced that right but he's from where where they're from right it'd be, it'd be like you signing for the Islanders okay uh, so he signed a two year deal with them so he will stay in Sweden for two years uh, although there is a transfer agreement but like they're going to honor the contract there's no way he's going to get out of it uh, he's not that great sorry I shouldn't say that he's not an the elite con- level prospect that the Islanders are going to be like oh David we need to get this kid over today uh, so he signed. He's going to be there for two years, he, which is good for him. Uh, he's played at the Div 1 level and the uh, sorry the U20 level last year. Did very well. But now he's going to play at the top of the Swedish uh, division. So if you think about it this way, he was playing the third and even maybe even fourth division, if you consider it that. You got U20, I would say. U20, Hockey A10, Hockey Allsenskans, and then you have the SHL. And he was playing in the, the three tiers below that. Okay, so this is a huge jump for him then. Huge jump. It was always expected for him to make that jump this year. Uh, it's his last year as a junior uh, over in Sweden. But he played really well. He had 14 points in 16 games at the U20 level. And I think he had, uh, what is it, 12 points in 14 games at the Hockey Town level. And how old is he? He's 19. I think he turns 20 later this year. Okay, so you probably expect him to get through that two-year deal before any chance of him coming over, right? Oh, you, you absolutely. I, I don't see any reason why he would be over sooner. Yeah, he'll turn, sorry, 20 in February. February 27, 2002. And let me just make sure I got the points right. 15 and 16 at U20, 12 and 14 at the Hockey Etan level. Ooh, okay, so good. Uh, pretty, pretty uh, productive player there. He's also going to be uh, playing for Team Sweden at the Summer Showcase in Plymouth, Michigan. So that's okay. a three-team, usually four-team tournament. 
that's a tune-up to the World Junior Championship squad. Okay. So anyone who's followed me knows that I have spoken to the Swedish coach, and he say he's never told me for sure that Jon Krenz is going to be on the team, but he's kind of danced around it, giving me like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's probably going to make it in like a bottom six role. Okay. So he's probably going to play in, you know, limited minutes, I guess. Yeah. PK, bottom six, I would expect probably on the third line, maybe fourth line, uh, which is bottom six, right? Uh, but he's got talent. He's got skill. He's got speed. They, they could maybe use him a little bit higher up in the lineup if they need to shake things up. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. And then on the same note with the Summer Showcase, we have Matthias Rayanemi, who uh, hasn't yet been named to the Summer Showcase squad for Team Finland, but was named to the U-20 squad for an inter-squad kind of uh, mini-camp. Okay. So Sweden did one of those, I believe, in May. I think it was April, May. Now Finland is doing one here in June, just before they head over to the U.S. for the Summer Showcase. And Rayanemi was named to the U-20 squad. I fully well expect him to make the Summer Showcase squad and the World Junior Championship squad. Mm, okay, there you go. So he's another one who's young, though. He turns 19 in September. So he's not Ooh. even 19 yet. Yeah, so he is a young kid. So it's going to go slow again for him, too. Yeah, but this is his second full year of playing with the pros in Finland, right? He played a full year in Finland with the pros last year. He's going to play another full year with the pros this year. Uh, so like I expect him to play a bottom four role for Finland. Um, I don't think he's going to be a three four defenseman. Probably a five six. He was number seven last year for them when they won bronze at the World Junior Championships. They like everything about him. They like his size, his shot, his skating, his IQ, everything. They love it all. Uh, so I would expect him to get some decent minutes for them at the Summer Showcase and at the World Junior Championships. All right. Well. Any playing time for a young kid like that is bonus. So from going to the seventh D to taking that step up to even if it's just the sixth D man, but being a regular in the lineup, I think is, I mean, you'll take that for sure. Exactly. On, on a pretty good squad, right? Again, they won, they won silver, sorry, not silver, bronze uh, at the last year's World Junior Championship. So good team, played well. Let's see if he can do it again this year. Absolutely. All right, cool. Ready for the quiz? I'm excited. Who do we got for 200? Let's find out. So as you know, every week we have a special quiz where there's a mystery New York Islander for Matt to guess. He has five clues to guess them. They get progressively easier as we go. Matt, are you ready? Let's do it. First, I was born in St. Boniface, Manitoba. Okay, next. Okay. Two, I was acquired in the same trade that brought Jack Capuano to the Islanders. So to anyone who was screaming Butch Goring on the first clue, incorrect. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, all right. Next. I had two primary helpers in a 6-5 loss to the Rangers in a first round playoff matchup as a right winger. And this is the reason he makes the list. He has a 2.00 playoff production or points per game in the playoffs for the Islanders. 2.00? Yeah. Because he only had that one game with the two points. Oh, Okay, uh, I don't. I don't like my chances here. Next, I, I'm I'm spelling it out over the next two clues. Don't worry. I, I know you wouldn't have guessed it. This is why I brought it up. Okay. Four. My first name is Derek, and I played one game for the Isles in the playoffs. Who's Derek and only played one game in the in the playoffs? Oh my 
God. I probably don't, don't get it. No. So five. I'm pretty lax, doll. Derek Laxdahl? Correct. Okay. Derek Laxdahl had a 2.00 points per game in the playoffs for the Islanders, and that's why I brought him up because we are episode 200. 200. Okay. All right. I see the connection would have never, ever, ever guessed. How many games for the course of his Islander career did he play? I'm pretty sure I don't have it up now. Oh, my God. I have three... I have three screens now, and it's bugging the hell out of me a little bit because when I try to move my cursor, like, diagonally, it doesn't work that way. I have to move it in, like, if I want to get it from screen three, which is top right, to screen one, which is bottom left, I have to do, like, an L pattern instead of just Mm. diagonal. It's super annoying. Um, So I think it's 16 games total in his career for the Islanders. Not a lot. I I didn't like my chances on that one. No, I know, I know. He's got 67 career NHL games. Uh, so, oh, yeah, yikes. 16 games, 12 and 89-90, put up four points and four games in 90-91. His one playoff game came in 89-90, and that was the uh, the 6-5 loss to the Rangers, put up two points. Okay. Well, there you go. We always have that. He will be forever enshrined on the Isles <laughs> podcast. Hope Derek is doing well. Yes, absolutely. Let's get to the social segment. What's going around on Isles Twitter? Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So I talked about this to, I believe it was the patrons, and I wanted to bring it up here. And this is from Greg Wyshynski saying, from Quest for the Cup, your moment of Brad Marchand Zen. And it's Brad Marchand just like standing on a dock looking out at the water. And I bring this up because there's a really funny comment underneath. Oh. Uh, or, yeah, I guess it's a comment. It's from Max Va- Max Vax Power saying, that pole is exactly six feet tall. And it towers over Brad. I don't know if you've seen the, 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 the post there, Matt. Can I do a chat here? I don't know. I don't know if there's a chat in our thing. Let me send it to our actual chat here so you can see this thing and laugh hysterically when you see it. I'm, I'm excited for this. Because, again, he's like halfway up on this thing. Um, so it's absolutely hilarious. You got it there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks so small next to it. Oh, my God. So it, it, He's just looking out on the water. So if you want to look it up, it's at one Zen Dad. Uh, it's a comment to Greg Wyshynski's tweet, tweet on June 14th. And he's just, he being Brad, just looking out at the water, kind of like looking at longingly, you know, an existential crisis. And it's absolutely hilarious. I feel like this could be like an indie album cover or something. (laughs) Yeah. You know, put put a little Instagram filter on it and there you go. 100%. What do you got? (laughs) Uh, My first one comes from a story from the New York Post. They were able to confirm this is big news. Dan Feeney will be in the building for game three tomorrow. And the Islanders are 2-0 when Dan Feeney is at the Nassau Coliseum in the playoffs. What? Why? I I, I, I shouldn't say why. I get it. He's electric. He crushes beer cans on his head. He's got a killer mullet and a mustache. But, like, seriously? (laughs) This is where we're at? I'm not – sorry. I'm being a very big buzzkill. Let's go Dan Feeney. We're winning this one just because he's there. I don't exactly. want to be a buzzkill. I'm sorry to anyone who I, I buzzkilled on. He's going to smash a beer right on his face on the Jumbotron. It's going to get the crowd going. Love it. Just shooting back PBRs or what is it, Coors Light or something? Uh, probably Bud Light or something like that. Yeah. yeah, It's basically water, which is fine. It's fine. I have low tolerance, so like I, 
that sounds like the beer for me. There you go. What else you got, Mitch? My last one here comes from uh, at NHL. I think we all know who they are. And it's his goal of the year. There were too many contenders to count, but you voted Matt Barzell's unbelievable move as the best goal of the season. And I'm sure you already know which one I'm talking about here. It's that incredible effort where he just like, I don't know, ditches Rasmus Ristolainen as if he doesn't exist and goes between the legs through I don't even care who's in nets anymore for the most beautiful goal you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, that was that might have been our most retweeted thing. That gif of that goal might have been the, our most viral thing this year. That was tremendous. It was, right? Like it it starts with Scott Mayfield just throwing the puck along the boards from behind the net. He picks it up with a full head of steam, he being Barzal. And then Rasmus Ristolainen, who's no slouch. I'm pretty sure he's like 6'5", 220, if not a little bit more on the weight side. Matthew Barzell, not small, but, you know, six feet, maybe 180. Uh, much smaller than this man. And he just, Rasmus Ristolainen just like bounced off of him, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And then Barzell's like, I don't have any more room. Well, I can go between my legs and backwards and through the five hole. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, he's just not fair sometimes, and that was the best example of it. That's uh, that is cheat code Matthew Barzell at its finest, and oh my god, that's just deserved winner for the goal of the year. I agree a hundred percent. My last one is from Laura Curran, the Nassau County Executive, and she tweets: As our beloved Islanders continue to advance in the playoffs, many residents are asking for an in-person playoff watch party. As you can probably guess, I love the idea, and I'm working on it. So look out for a watch party for Game 5 at the Nassau Coliseum. That would be an absolute blast. Why did it take so long? Right, like, this should have been, like, an obvious thing. Like, well, I understand Borelli's is having a good time right now, but you, you're, you're still the Islanders. You're still Nassau County. You know, you got a big empty parking lot you're not doing anything with. Why not use that? Yeah, I don't know. That seems like, it, you're right, it does seem obvious, right? You know, charge whatever for parking you could go in bring whatever you want and have a good time why like why not it doesn't doesn't make sense to not do it it seems every other franchise does something like that why not do something for anyways either way i hope it happens i really forget who's who started it oh i'm trying to find it right now i'm pretty sure it was the, the twitter handle was fenty but ah oh, I'm, I'm yeah it's like drawing fenty, a blank and i'm really sorry like fenty nosebleed or something like that I want I don't to know make why sure that's sticking I, out to me. I credit I can't I can't find it. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry, Fenty. This is this is bad. There it is. At Fenty underscore nosebleed. You had it right. Good job by you. There we you. go. Love that. So I sent out a letter to uh to the, the uh oh my god to Laura Curran asking her to do something like this. So let's go. It, it's probably not going to be at uh, the NASA Coliseum necessarily. They're thinking probably Eisenhower Park. Which is just okay. as beautiful as that's, the setting. Yeah, um, that, and that's right. It's literally going to the next traffic light past the Coliseum. It's right there. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It's it. Yeah, it's perfect. I've been there. Love it. Let's go. I think this is a great idea. Hopefully, uh, this gets done for Game Five, and that we all get to see the Islanders win at one of these. That would be amazing. So that's going to do it for us on this podcast. Let's get some plugs in here before we go. So wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the love and support. 200 of these is wild, but here we are. Uh, you could subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles for $5 a month. You get 
post-game podcast during the summer. You get deep dives on various topics, a weekly mailbag show, video. You get a whole bunch of different stuff going on over there, Mitch. All kinds of stuff. We've got, what is it, how many questions here? Oh, I lost the number. I think it's 16 questions for the mailbag today. A lot of stuff, including... Uh, you know, talking about the Sezikis penalty kill for Team Canada, what we do about Palmieri, lots of stuff going on there. Check out the Patreon today. Absolutely. Social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is over at CLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could also download the fan sided app to find us there or visit the website eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode number 200 in the books. Here's to another 200. Let's go, baby. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.